We are in the church calendar, we're in the uh, season of Epiphany, and Epiphany is, means unveiling or showing forth. Uh, last week we had talked, mentioned in passing the uh, disciples on the road to Emmaus after the resurrection. Jesus was walking with them, and they didn't recognize him, they weren't looking for him. Their hearts were heavy because they had watched him die a very cruel, shameful, painful death, and all of their hopes... And all of their dreams had been wrapped up in him. And now they didn't know what to do. Well, the Lord was with them. And when they stopped for the night, they asked him to come as a stranger, to come into their home. And as he broke bread, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. For them, that was an epiphany. An unveiling, a showing forth of the life of Christ. Um... We talked last week about Peter and his receiving a revelation from the Holy Spirit that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That was an epiphany for him. The Mount of Transfiguration was an epiphany. Well, I want to share with you this morning about another person um, who received an epiphany, an unusual, unlooked-for person. So all the miracles that Jesus performed... And much of the teaching through the parables were epiphany times, a time of revealing, a time of revelation, a time of unveiling who Jesus was and who Jesus is. So let me ask you, before we get started this morning, is there anyone that you can think of who you believe is beyond the reach of God? They're so sinful or so hard-hearted or has resisted so long that you've given up hope for them. Is there any person like that? Uh, Situation beyond help. uh, Attitudes and hardness of heart beyond hope. Well, think about that person this morning. We're going to look at Mark chapter 4 is where we're going to start. We'll end up in Mark chapter 5. And uh, the main thing that we're going to be talking about today is we're going to be talking about Legion. Uh, you all remember who Legion was. Uh, he was a demon-possessed man. Uh, a Legion is what he said his name was because there were so many demons in him. A Legion normally was about 6,000 men. So this man was in bad shape. We'll talk more about him in a minute. So in Mark chapter 4, Jesus had been teaching to a lot of people and uh, at the end of a long day, in Mark chapter 4 verse 35, on that day when evening had come, he said to them, that's Jesus' disciples, let us go across to the other side. So they're on the Sea of Galilee, it's a pretty good sea, and they're going to get in a boat and by night, go across the sea to the other side. That's not an unusual thing. It wasn't a big problem for these disciples. Uh, about a third of them had been fishermen, made their living on this very same sea, Sea of Galilee. They knew the sea well. Uh, most of the time, their fishing was carried on at night because that's when the fish fed. And so going out on the sea at night, no problem for them. Uh, they didn't have a, any difficulties at all. So they all piled in the boat start across the water. And again, it says that uh, other boats were with him. 
And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. So they're out here in the night, and a storm, and the, the waves are breaking over the sides of the boat and filling the boat with water. What's Jesus doing? It's a crisis, you know. Now these are people who made their living on the sea, and they're afraid they're going to die. So this is... This was a, a critical moment for them. Jesus was over here asleep on a cushion. It's been a long day. If you read earlier in Mark, we find out that um, when Jesus began his public ministry, the needs were so great, people were so desperate that they began to crowd around him. And it said that, the, that there was so much stuff going on, he never even had time to eat. So there was a lot of pressure on him. Now, having said that, um, it says that the next day, after all these people were crowding in, couldn't even eat, the next day the disciples, early in the morning, it's still dark, they're looking for Jesus and they can't find him. And so they found him out in the wilderness, alone, praying. Now, he had so many things going on, so busy, so much uh, demands made upon his time that he didn't have time to eat, but he made time to pray. What about us? I'm too busy today. I don't have time to pray. I, you know, God knows my needs. Thank you, Lord. I'm off. Uh, Jesus not even had time to eat. He gets up and he goes off. He finds. He makes time. We will make time for what's important to us. So he's exhausted. He's asleep. And so they wake him up because they're desperate now. Uh, they're about to drown and he's over here asleep. And they wake him up. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? As if he doesn't know their need. Now if they'd thought about it, if they drown, so does he. <laughs> and the Lord is with them. They're in this crisis. They're desperate. They're thinking, God help us. And God's not around when I need him the most. Or if he is, he's asleep. You know? He's in the boat with them. He's not far away. They, he's right there within reach. And so he gets up. And he looks around and he sees the storm. And he says, peace, be still. And it was. <laughs> it happened. Everything stopped. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he looks at his disciples, and he says, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Now, these disciples, they're still trying to figure out who he is. Now, they understand he's a great teacher. They've listened to the things that he's told them. And when Jesus speaks to you, and he's talking to you, there is a stirring within uh, we know when the Lord is addressing us, don't we? Because it changes us. And we can't listen to Him and hear what He's saying without it impacting our lives. And so He's asking them, and He asks us. Uh, oftentimes our first response is panic. When we're in a situation that we have no control over, um, when it's desperate, when there's nothing we can do to help, when it's beyond our abilities... Um, and we look around and it's beyond the abilities of everybody around us, 
we're looking for something to give us hope. And we think, where is God? Well, He's here. He's with us. So the response of the disciples, they were filled with great fear. And they said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Their expectation and understanding of who Jesus was was far too small. Oftentimes we try to put God in a box and he doesn't fit. And he explodes all the boxes that we try to put him in. So sometimes the chapter divisions in the scriptures get in the way. And so people will say, Jesus calms the storm here. The Gadarene um, legion, he's over here. Two separate instances. But it's not. It's us. It's a seamless whole. Okay, so he said, on the evening before, we said in chapter 4, verse 35... That evening, he said to them, let's go across to the other side. Well, on their way, they had a crisis. But the crisis had been dealt with effectively by Jesus, so they finished their trip. And they came, chapter 5, they came to the other side of the sea. That's where they were going back in verse 35. So the whole purpose of the trip was get was to get to the other side. That's the purpose of the trip. Uh, the storm and the, the raging wind and the, the great seas, that was just a hiccup on the way. Uh, the purpose of the voyage was to get to the other side. And this is what he found. They came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him any more, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Uh, one of the symptoms of demonic possession is incredible strength. And they would try to, to uh, this guy was absolutely crazy, and uncontrollable in every way, they would grab him and they would put these iron shackles around him and strong chains and he would break them off and he would break the shackles off. Night and day, among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. He was self-harming. So this is the guy that met Jesus. The boat scoots up on the sand, Jesus steps out of the boat, and here's this guy come running at him. You got the picture, right? Well, this was a man that says, uh, Luke's passage says that he wore no clothes and he lived among the tombs. Oftentimes the tombs were uh, in caves. So they would go in those caves and they would bury people in there. Sometimes they would carve out niches in there and slide coffins in so you could have more than one. Um, That's where he made his home. So he lived among the death and the decay of of dead people. It would be um, a pretty depressing place to live your life. That's what you call home. I don't know what your home is like. It may not be nice, 
But I don't know anybody who lives in a tomb that would be living in a cemetery or in a grave. And he was miserable. And he was tormented by all these demons that were in him. He would cut himself and cry out um, in the tombs and as he wandered along the mountains. So this was a man that people looked at and said, just stay away from him. He's, he's this guy. What can you do with that guy? Just stay away from him. If he comes your direction, you go the other way. Um, so he was lost. Unredeemable. No hope. Beyond the reach of God's compassion and grace? No. The people of his day were right. There was no hope in this world for him. And there wasn't anybody who could help this man. But God could. And God looked with compassion on this demon-possessed, tormented, very powerful individual. You know, there's something sick about our society. They make movies about stuff like this and TV series, junk like that. Something's wrong with a society that has entertainment out of suffering and brokenness and pain. And we use it for entertainment purposes. Something's wrong there. Something's wrong with us if that draws us to that kind of thing. If you've ever seen a person in that position, there's nothing entertaining about it. So we live in a sick society. But for our society, who makes entertainment out of this, like for Legion, there is hope. And that's the good news. So what is this guy doing? He's insane, he's crazy, he's got this incredible, incredible strength that can break iron in pieces and nobody could control him. This guy comes running up to Jesus and he falls at Jesus' feet. In Mark chapter 5, verse 6, it says, When he, that's legion, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. So that part of uh, the Sea of Galilee on the side that Jesus was going to is very hilly, very, some pretty good-sized good hills. And they come down very sharply into the Sea of Galilee. So the place to land the boat would have been very narrow. There wouldn't have been a whole lot of space there. We're going to see how steep it is in just a minute because uh, when he casts the demons out into the pigs, they all run off and fall into the sea, you know. So uh, this guy comes running. He, he is up there. He can see out on the lake, out on the sea, he can see these, these boats and things. And he's up there. He's looking down. He sees the boat approaching that has the disciples and Jesus in it. And so when Jesus, when the boat hits the beach, he is running down the hill. He's running to meet him. He had seen him coming. And this man is running toward Jesus. It's like he had an appointment. Why did Jesus say, let's go over to the other side? This guy sees him and he comes running down and he's going to meet him there. He's just now getting out of the boat. It'll, boom, here's this guy. <laughs> and what did he do? Did he try to destroy him? Did he attack him? He fell down at Jesus' feet. Now, this word, 
most of the time when you read this word that he fell down at Jesus' feet in the, in the New Testament, when you see this word, it's normally translated worship. Worship. Here's this demon-possessed guy, legion, 6,000, comes running up, falls at his feet, worship. What did Paul say in Philippians? Every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And there he is at the feet of Jesus, worshiping. And he cries out with a loud voice, What have you do? What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you, I beg you, by God, do not torment me. For Jesus looked at him and he said to the man, Come out of him, you unclean spirit. And the guy said, don't, don't hurt me, don't hurt me. Notice also what happens here. The disciples, they have a question, don't they? That morning, that very morning, the sea was calm, and they're talking to each other, and they said, who is this guy that even the wind and the sea obey him? Legion knew. He knew who he was. This was before... Peter has his revelation, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That doesn't come over here until chapter 8. So this is before that. They're still trying to figure out exactly what's going on, who it is, what kind of man that they're dealing with here. They're following him because there's something in him that draws them. And they're still trying to figure it out. Who is this? This guy knows. Jesus Son of the Most High God. That's who He is. The demons in hell know God sometimes a lot better than we do. They know who He is. And they respect and honor the name of Jesus. At His name, they fall down at His feet. What do you and I do with the name of Jesus? How do we use it? This man used it correctly. So Jesus asked him, What is your name? He said, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. So the demonic likes, they like to stay in one spot pretty well. Um, they, uh, they have guys in Africa, they call them walkers. These are demon-possessed men. They are crazed, and you can see them. And you ever see one, and you'll, you'll, you'll know exactly who he is. Um, sometimes they, they don't have clothes, sometimes they do. If they do, it's very ragged and dirty and filthy. And uh, they're usually thin, just scary-looking guys. And um, in their eyes... Um, you can see what's going on inside. And they are absolutely crazy. And nobody can control them. They're called walkers because that, they just walk through the land. But it's usually in a, in, within a district, um, almost like a route that they have. Um, and so this is one of these guys. He stays at the tomb um, in the, and in the surrounding mountains around him. He doesn't go very far. And so he's... Th- 
They're saying, please, you know, they're begging Jesus. So who's the authority here? Who is the real power and source of strength? It's the presence of the living God. And the demons recognize that, and they're just saying, please. They're, they're praying. Don't send us away. Well, there's a great herd of pigs. Uh, this area of the, uh, the Gerasenes, it, uh, it's on the east side of the Jordan River and up there along the Sea of Galilee as well. In those days, it was an area that had been... Um, uh, Alexander the Great had come through there hundreds of years before, and they got the whole thing of, of trying to impose the Greek culture on them, Hellenization, upon all that whole area, like everywhere where Alexander uh, controlled, from Greece all the way to India, and everything in between, uh, from the Black and Caspian Sea through Egypt, down into northern Africa. Uh, all of that, he tried to impose Greek culture. Well, on the east side of the, of the Sea of Galilee, you have an area there that was um, a lot of uh, Gentile people, Romans and Syrians, had settled, and it was an area called the Decapolis. Decapolis is Decapolis, ten cities. So there were ten uh, independent cities, kind of like um, little city-states under the control of Rome, of course. But they, that was the area where they lived, these Gentiles, very pro- predominantly Gentile, and so that's why they were raising pigs. You wouldn't find this on the other side of the river. Um, so here they are. They've got these uh, Gentile people over here with the pigs. And they got, they got uh, 2,000 pigs in one herd. That's a lot of pigs in one place. So um, as they're there, he's talking to this demon-possessed guy. And Jesus is telling him, you're going to have to leave. Uh, it says that they saw those pigs. And the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs. Let us enter them. So he gave them permission. You're going to have to leave. You can go into the pigs. So they ran into the pigs, and all the pigs rushed down into the water and drowned. So to get 2,000 pigs going in the same direction at the same time, um, that's a miracle in itself. And so, But these were were now possessed pigs, and they all just ran in and, and died, killed themselves. Eventually, they would have killed Legion. That's the goal. That's the plan, to destroy, to kill, um, to steal his life and whatever is there, and to destroy, and they would have destroyed him. They were in the process of killing this man. So, when they left the man, he was free. He was free. The oppression was gone. All the voices stopped. All the torment ceased. The weight was lifted. The guilt, the fear, the loathing of self was gone. You don't cut yourself unless you hate yourself. You don't try to harm yourself unless you don't like who you are. And that's what he had done repeatedly. So the herdsmen fled and told in the city and in the country what had happened. Um, Scared them half to death. And uh, also they're responsible and accountable for the 2,000 pigs. So they're going and telling people, you know, this weird thing that's going on over there. So the people came out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and they saw the demon-possessed man 
the one who had had the legion sitting there clothed in his right mind and they were afraid. So they thought he was scary when he was filled with all these demons. But now when they saw him, what was he doing? Was he threatening anybody? Was he yelling and crying out and screaming? Was he doing any of those things? He was sitting down at the feet of Jesus, clothed in his right mind, carrying on a rational conversation, and that scared them worse. Because they knew there wasn't anything on earth that could have helped that man. And they saw the transformation. So it's, it's an amazing thing. Jesus calms the sea and the disciples are afraid. Jesus walks into the presence of a demon or many of them and they're afraid of him. Jesus heals and cleanses and transforms a man who was thought hopeless and people are afraid. Really afraid. Then those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. So the demons had begged Jesus not to let them go. Now these people, they've witnessed an incredibly great miracle, the restoration of a man's life, and they're wanting him to leave. We don't want you here. You're not welcome here. Please go away. I'm sure they did it respectfully. (laughs) Please go away from here. Leave us alone. Uh, We may be miserable where we are, but at least we know what to expect. Please go away from us. You know? When you give, it's interesting that Jesus many times asked people what they wanted. A blind man was there and he said, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do? A person with leprosy is here, and Jesus said, what do you want me to do? Isn't it obvious what my need is? Yeah, but do you want to be helped? Because too often we allow our addictions and our sins, our guilt and our past to define who we are. And that's not who we are. Oh, there's the beggar. Well... That's what he's doing, but that's not what he is. That's a drug addict. Well, that's his problem, but that's not who he is. We allow those things to define who we are. There's the lame man. That's the cripple over there. Well, he may be crippled, but that's not who he is. That's his affliction. Who he is is a creature, a person created in the image and likeness of God. That's who he is. So they're asking Jesus to leave. And, verse 18, Jesus got back into the boat. So what was the whole purpose of this trip? Why did he go over there to start with? For a legion. So you think about the person that I asked you to think of this morning. Beyond hope, beyond reach, beyond help. Unable, unwilling, uh, nobody can reach, hard-hearted, Cynical, hateful, cruel. Let's ask the Lord to meet that person. Let's do it now. So let's pray.
You don't have to say his name out loud if you don't want to. You can say it out loud. You can say it quietly. You can just think it in your mind. And we're just going to ask the Lord to be at work with us this morning. So Lord, we come before you this morning placing ourselves at your feet. Acknowledging your presence. Acknowledging your grace that reaches down to us. And we ask, Father, that you would reach out to the the person or people that we have in mind this morning. And that you would find a way of reaching that person in your time, in your way, through the person that you choose. So, Lord, we pray that you would reach out to those people that we've called by name this morning, that you would impact their life in such a way, such a transformative way, that like Legion, all who see will know that it's been your hand, your grace that's done it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.